everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Director's Showdown. My name is Adam Dauphin. I'm a staunch supporter of Stanley Kubrick. Um, if you could not tell from the, you know, prior episodes. But um, with me is, again, my uh, beloved co-host. Go ahead. Hey, it's Brent, guys. How's it going? And he is a... Uh, oh, man. It hurts every every episode. It hurts to... <laughs> To just hear you say those words. You know? What, my name? Just no, like my name? No, the fact that you <laughs> that you support um, yeah. uh, Sprailbrag. Sprailbrags? Sprail well, that's just anti-Semitic, honestly, for being Stanley quite honest Kubrick's here. a Jew, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> Has that been confirmed? Do we know if either of them are Jewish? Okay, now you're getting into like conspiracy theory I know, I, okay. arena. I'll, I'll, I'm you checking it here, out. Folks. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> I'm checking my, uh, Alex, my Alex Jones mode at the door. Brent and... Carroll does not think the Holocaust happened. <laughs> you heard it here. That's true. Bring yeah. in your pitchforks. <laughs> oh, wait. You guys who... Uh, those guys who complain about that stuff are liberals who just don't do any violent things about anything so. <laughs> don't take action you, you'll be fine yeah. brent they won't they won't yeah yeah you at all. They'll just, boy i'm gonna get a tweet storm though yeah they'll whine on tumblr <laughs> hashtag brent carroll sucks i don't know brent carroll sucks yeah something uh kill they can't brent even carroll. think of a clever thing hashtag kill brent carroll let's get that going guys let's kickstart it let's do it <laughs> <laughs> hashtag director showdown make sure, yeah. you, make sure you put that in there yeah yeah branding you know <laughs> hey any news is is good news yeah that's true absolutely yeah. so um this week we uh we did um full metal jacket by by directed by stanley kubrick mm-hmm. and we thought it was a nice uh follow-up to last week's episode which was uh saving private ryan mm-hmm. yeah definitely um yeah, I mean, we definitely decided, uh, you know, some different ideas for movies were up in the air this week. And then after last week, it was like, I mean, there's kind of only one option. Like, we should definitely do Full Metal and kind of just compare different approaches to the same, like, air quote, genre. I would say you know? more, more mm-hmm. movies. I yeah. That's a genre, I'd for say. For sure, As yeah. opposed to just, like, action. Because I know they always define it as action movies. Mm. But... I mean, action has evolved into such such its own niche that yeah. I don't think you can put the fate of the furious and um, no saving Private well, Ryan. Well, there's a there's a certain like the there's a certain like glorification of violence that comes about in an action movie, and that's why I don't think either of these are action movies, even though there's some like incredible action set pieces in both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why I think you have to kind of like separate them, and why they have been separated mm-hmm. by the the zeitgeist or whatever. Well, before we get right into it, I'd like to give a quick um, plot summary that, oh, yep. you know, uh, good old IMDB gives us. Yeah. A, hey, is there another, um, like, military personnel, <laughs> just like Saving Private Ryan? Like, that'd be cool to keep keep that going, but probably I, not, I, I would wish. imagine. No, not this time, unfortunately. But this one's given to us by... Um, did you not put your phone on airplane? No, I put it on uh, sleep mode, Unprofe- and I'm still getting. I'm. I don't know how to stop this. Like I have it on sleep <laughs> mode, and I'm still getting like texts from my mom. Does my phone recognize that like my mom is texting? And it's like you know, you should pay attention to your mom's texts. You I don't know. Who know. Couldn't text their moms. Hmm. Vietnam soldiers. Hey, they that's couldn't. true. Yeah, that's a fact. So you're privileged. You're privileged. I know. Youth. Yeah. Anyways, let's uh, get into the IMDb uh, summary. And this one's written by Scott Renshaw. Thanks, Scott, 
if you're listening, Thanks, Scott. Man. You're a cool guy, Scott. Apparently, his email said he 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 went to Stanford, so it's going to be good. Stanford. It better be. I mean, my my uh, expectations are sky fucking yep. high right so now. So don't fuck this up, yeah. Scott. Bad name for Stanford. If so, let's <laughs> let's go. Let's see. Yep. A, a two-segment look at the effect of the military mindset and war itself on Vietnam-era Marines. The first half follows a group of recruits in boot camp under the command of the punishing gunnery sergeant, Hartman. The second half shows one of those recruits, Joker, covering the war as a correspondent for Stars and Stripes, focusing on the Tet Offensive. See, that's that's good. That is solid. That's really a sound not, summary. Because he's yeah. not trying to jerk himself off, trying to tell everybody about like what the movies, you know, what yeah. what's the details. It's just like this is mm-hmm. this is the taste of it. Yeah, what here's is, here's the basics. This is all you mm-hmm. need to know. Is this it going to pull you? It's like I could I could see that being on like the back of the box. Honestly, that's really solid. Hey, way to go, Stanford boy. Good Scott, job, Stanford. Scott from Stanford. Stanford boy. Yo yo Stanford! <laughs> I don't even know like what their logo is. I have no idea. Can I just know it's like it's in L.A. I think I don't know. <laughs> I thought it's like I thought it's uh I don't know. I'm sorry, Stanford guy. <laughs> we were he's listening. Eight. Sorry, Scott. Sorry, You're cool. Scott. You, you went to a good school, yeah. though that we do not know where it's located. Yeah. Sorry. Even uh, even though I'm sure the the career that followed let that education down. As does no his his major was IMDb summary. Oh, that's summaries. right. I forgot they added yeah. that recently. That's right. Yeah, so he just goes around and he uh, yeah gets paid a pretty penny to write IMDb uh, plot summaries. And you know what? Thank God for you, Scott, because Thank there's a lot of Scott. duds out there. A lot of duds, and you're saving the world one IMDb summary at a time. You're doing God's Keep work. Keep at sir. it. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> off of that. Um, let's get into uh, trivia. Let's, 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 okay, let's, yeah. I mean, you you touched on a couple of um, really interesting things that I hadn't heard about. Yeah. Um, before <laughs> you came over to watch the film, I was watching the um, special features of uh, mm-hmm. the Blu-ray that I have, and uh, it's really cool. It's a really cool um, little little doc that they had, a little documentary about mm-hmm. how the how the film was made, and what really uh, what really uh, stuck in my mind was that all the set all the all the sets that they they did well every single set in the film every single one was done in london okay london that's really interesting and the reasoning was that kubrick (laughs) he's like i don't want to i don't want to fly anywhere i don't want to go anywhere I just want to stay Oh, that's home. so interesting with he's what like, we spoke about before, too. Yeah, he's Clockwork. like, I don't want to film anywhere out, like outside of a 10-mile radius of my home. Like, that's what they were saying. <laughs> and I was like, of course. <laughs> and, you know, as fate would have it, as fate would have it, there was this industrial area that um, hadn't been used for, for decades or something, and it had the same French architecture as the French architecture in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So it was already a dilapidated area. So it was perfect for for the war scenes. Like yeah. in London. Yeah. And then Kubrick just had those palm trees f- flown in so they could make it's it just look like... That. Yeah, that's crazy. From Hong Kong and from Spain. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, the real trees were from Spain, and then they got a, a shit ton of plastic plants... Uh, from Hong Kong, yeah, for kind of the the set decoration, 
That's super interesting. You could tell that like this is definitely Kubrick at his you know towards, laziest towards his end of his career because he has a lot of power. Mm-hmm. It's like well yeah, that's know, a good point for sure. You know I, I'm I'm tired. I want to do this film <laughs> near mm-hmm. home. I don't want to go all the way. You know. Yeah, I mean. When you say, in finding out that it was really shot in kind of this, um, not necessarily just close to his home, but in England, um, I, I can tell once you say that because when on the on the war scenes, it doesn't really feel like Vietnam on those scenes. I don't know if that's really like a like a dig at the movie or anything, but it it, it kind of feels like um, well, that's insert a, war. Set. I don't know. Like it doesn't really feel like Vietnam. I think that was on purpose, honestly, because makes it more timeless. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. this movie is not necessarily about um, Vietnam mm-hmm. itself. It's about war in general. Yeah. And uh, that's what was so interesting about the film was that the the battle battle sequences weren't your typical Vietnam War battle sequences. They weren't conducted in a jungle. It was urban. Mm -hmm. It was an urban battle scene. I mean, you got movies like Apocalypse Now or um, what's that movie? The uh, 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 Platoon. Okay. Platoon. You know, like I was going to say Black Hawk Down, but I mean, that works too, I guess. Well, I'm talking about Vietnam movies. Like Vietnam movies are just renowned for always their like jungle sequences and like mm-hmm. even deer hunter deer hunter you know yeah. it's all about like these these boys come come from america and then they go over to they Vietnam, come from the urban environment to to the jungle yeah and then you see this drastic difference in full metal jacket mm-hmm. and that makes it i think much more timeless mm-hmm. than all those other vietnam movies yeah i i agree yeah and i caught a bit of the documentary you're watching and um Someone was talking about how it's a kind of a perfect parallel for kind of the war in Iraq, too. And it definitely does. You kind of get that vibe from it, too. Like this, you could you could almost like take these characters and then put them in Iraq in like 2003. And that it, it would kind of be the same movie. You know what I mean? So it was really, really timeless in that sense, too. Absolutely. And um, picking up on a pattern that... Uh that Kubrick seems to be doing. Um, he likes to read. He's a reader. Mm-hmm. He loves to read. He's an educated person. He's intelligent, yeah. smart, reads. Yeah. And this is based on a novel mm-hmm. by the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if, by you guys, if you guys uh, weren't aware, this, this actually... And we made a lot of jokes. We made a lot of jokes in this podcast. Um, but this is the actual um, film version of uh you know the novel push based on the novel precious push. by sapphire based on novel emerald i will never not push. fuck that title up it's insane based on the novel pool by emerald yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, no yeah that that's absolutely a trend like he he uh you just like picture him as this guy who just loves reading mm. and uh bookish yeah yeah like he reads a good book and he's like I could see this as a movie. I'm gonna make this my next movie. That's great. Yeah, and that's that. cool. That's I, I agree. That that's awesome. So much. I agree. Um, it's by the, the the novel, by the way, is um, called The Short Timers, and it was published hmm. in 1979. Semi autobiographical. Oh, that's 
Interesting. That's yeah. that's literally like right before the movie was made. So it was no, like a brand the movie new book. Was made uh, 1987. 87? Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, I, for some reason, late, in my head, I thought 80s. it was 80. Yeah, I thought it was 1980. Oh, that's The Shining. That's right. Yeah, it was. Um, <clears throat> it, he oh, had, that's crazy. From man. what I recall reading about it, was that Kubrick had picked up the book from some like some recommended list. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Oprah's. Um, recommended books he was in oprah's know. uh yeah book club and he, it's like oprah loved the short timers yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know where to take that joke it's just kind of funny as is but <laughs> it's a really hell- just the idea of like you see like all these like women sitting around in the circle and then you just see like kubrick just sitting there like i really enjoyed the short timers um you know as you guys may know i'm a director and I'm thinking of making this my next movie. Like, it'd just be such a hilarious <laughs> little, I don't know. Yeah, especially, you know, that one part where he um, where he called um, anyone from Texas a steer or queer, you know? <laughs> that was very, very um, symbolic. Like, just like, like these people just talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. But well, yeah, yeah, did you have any, uh, some any trivia? trivia? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, the, just some, like, interesting tidbits here. Uh, so Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis, uh, both turned down, were almost in this movie. Schwarzenegger, um, was too busy to be animal mother. He would have been animal mother. Dude, that would have been perfect, right? It would have been, it's so perfect that it almost would have been like on the nose. Because remember how we were talking about it, like in, in, uh, remember how like I brought up the whole animal mother, which was played by Adam Baldwin Mm -hmm. and the, the final battle sequence he was yeah. like running in there, fucking with his. It's commando. He was, yeah, yeah, he was like being an action hero, mm-hmm. but you didn't feel that way in the in the in the shot. But like, yeah, oh my god, it would have been amazing. that'd have been crazy, right? It would have been great if he was it been <laughs> perfect, honestly. Yeah, it, I would have loved it. Um, just like the idea of Schwarzenegger in a Kubrick movie is so weird. Yeah, it would have been awesome. Yeah. What did Bruce Willis? What was he? So to I was actually just looking at that. It doesn't specify the part. Um, Okay, but it does say Denzel Washington um, wanted in, but he didn't like that Kubrick didn't send out a script beforehand to audition. Oh, fuck Which off, is weird. Denzel. It's okay, yeah, because the guy doesn't have enough of a reputation by then. Yeah, it's like, dude, I've been like, I don't care. I just, yeah. I'll find a monologue. If you want to, like, it's Kubrick. Like, at yeah. 1987, every, like, this guy is like, top you want to yeah. be in his he's fucking god movie. at that point like god of hollywood and denzel's like shut the fuck up denzel sorry i love you dude but i i was gonna try and do like a uh denzel washington impersonation i, just, I don't even know where to begin with that my nigga that's what that's all i yeah. know from training i don't know day. i don't know i'm uh, black by the way so it's okay so it's okay he's, yeah you can't yeah. tell what skin color i am behind yeah, the mic so. in the voice um <laughs> joker had a name uh well that's just kind of the the headline uh obviously he did in the movie uh but his name was based on the uh first recorded american battlefield casualty in vietnam so joker's name they literally got from the first person historically who died in vietnam the u.s right yeah yeah um let's see here oh um matthew modine uh the lead who joker uh, and Kubrick had a standoff after Kubrick insisted that uh, Modine not be there for the birth of his own son. Cause I guess because of filming, Ch- listen to this when Kubrick insisted 
to dad to to dad to be Modine that he would just get in the way of the doctors. Modine took out his pocket knife and threatened to cut his hand open oh in order God. to get permission to go to the hospital. It worked. So that's how he got it. That's how he was like, I'm going to see my daughter's birth. It's, <laughs> it's crazy, right? Well, I mean, if you're, if you're um, committed to a Kubrick film, you better have a damn good reason why you're going to leave the set. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't do whatever the fuck you want in a Kubrick set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, just like the last thing I wanted to touch on is Stanley Kubrick's daughter scored the film. Wow. Yeah. That's why I, I was thought so that crappy. was <laughs> nah, No, well, I mean right. it is very minimal because is minimal, the only music so. beyond um kind of the the hit songs of the period to kind of create a sense of place by having a song from that era um are like like I I counted 3 is just the tension scenes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's like there are really only 3 scenes that are scored and it's really subtle and it's not too kind of overstated it's um uh but yeah but she made those and i thought that was that was pretty interesting yeah i remember i remember uh her scenes in 2001 a space odyssey and she was uh playing piano on on the little tv oh was she really no, playing piano i'm just making oh okay up. well she was All terrible facts. in it <laughs> she was a really terrible child actor i remember I that know. it's like Daddy, okay Kubrick, will you let's call me back you can get a child actor. You don't have to put your terrible daughter in this movie. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I think that's Anthony Michael Hall was almost the Joker. Uh, the guy from breakfast. When you say Club. the Joker. Don't say the Joker. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> that is weird. Cause it's like, we're talking about Batman. Yeah. Yeah. So. He was almost Joker. Anthony, the guy from breakfast club. So that kind of would have been whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, <clears throat> Oh, uh, Val Kilmer almost was too. Which hot damn, that nah, would have been interesting. It, it, I don't think Val Kilmer and Stanley Kubrick would have been a great mix. Mm. Not because of Val Kilmer's ability, more so his chemistry. Like I've heard horror stories of how terribly like mm. controlling Val Kilmer is. Yeah, know? I mean. The the title of that trivia is literally an envious Val Kilmer was responsible for Matthew Modine getting the role of Private Joker. So obviously, like him being an asshole, basically is responsible for him losing out on the part, which makes sense. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> so uh, let's let's get into let's let's get into the movie about our own mm-hmm. like um, our own opinions of it. I mean, on the sig, <clears throat> first off, with the signature moves that I saw with Kubrick was the typical. Very typical. Um, two movies and one Kubrick. <laughs> yeah. He, I, I mean, you, this movie's divided into two. You have, th- thanks to Scott, who already let everyone know about it. Thanks, yeah. Scott, by the hey. way. It has the initial uh, boot camp, which is fucking amazing. Yeah. I was, t- I was telling Brent here, like, how fucking pumped up I was. Yeah. During that whole scene, that whole, like, sequence, that whole first half. Like. It's literally, so this is an audio podcast. You guys can't see it. Uh, but <laughs> Adam's shirt is buttoned down, uh, literally halfway down his 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 body. Um, and I, I literally watched the buttons undo themselves throughout the movie at each, like, hype level that he, he hit. <laughs> So like literally just like the testosterone was 
like funneling into I mean, him I and gotta, his buttons were like popping. I had to unbutton something. Did you want me to zip? <laughs> Did you want to see my dick? Or no? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I the shirt's a... the better option, I guess, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just got to say, like, I, I, like I've, I, there's a lot of, um, like, I, I know that a lot of military um, folk, like, when they watch it, they get really pumped up, mm-hmm. like, in the first part because, like, it's just the most testosterone-filled, like, sequence it's great yeah. just to see um just to see drill instructor what's his name his um his actual name uh, r lee ermy in the Ermy-y, credits yeah. it just calls him lee ermy i don't know why you lee put the Ermy. r in there but yeah he is just fantastic <laughs> mm-hmm. he carries even i would say even more so than kubrick's um filmmaking mm-hmm. yeah he carries that first part so goddamn well yeah, he's he's amazing. And like if you don't know much of the kind of history of this movie, um he was a uh drill instructor for years before mm. and that's essentially why he was cast as the character. Mm. Um and so that's that's why it's just it's second nature to him. I one thing I didn't cover in trivia but that kind of ties into what we're talking about with him uh is he came up with 150 pages worth of insults on his own. That's amazing. So he had so much material to work yeah. with. And that's what's like apparent in the beginning. Like me and me and you were constantly cracking up. It's 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 let me talk about it like it's not it's hilarious. It's not like a comedy, but it's hilarious mm. because it's so insane like the yeah. shit that he's saying. Like he's destroying yeah. them, like mm-hmm. just completely. Yeah, and uh, it's just the way that he, the way that he carries. It, it's like it's just so seamless with him. Like it's just natural that all these very clever, they're very clever, vulgar remarks. Yeah, like, and they just like come out like he didn't have to think about them for a second. Yeah, you know, he was ready like just to destroy this, um, mm-hmm. this person into just a killer, you know? Like, I almost wonder if um, drill instructors have to go to, like, like have to join an improv troupe before they become... Because <laughs> it's insane, dude. Yeah, and, yeah, like, sure. like I always heard stories about him, too. Like, my dad was in the Marines for almost 20 years. And, like, he, he's like, th- like this... Like, he would tell me, like, this guy, this guy in this movie is, like, exactly how they are. Like, you'll be laughing when they're not looking because it's just so insane, the shit that they're saying. Mm -hmm. Because you just can't, you can't hear, you don't hear people say that or speak like that to other people in everyday life. It's like only in these situations will you see that, you know? I don't know. It's like, he's, he's so brilliant Mm -hmm. throughout it. And I just felt like, I felt pumped up like watching him. Yeah. stuff like there's something about like um degrading you know like in the sense of um that to make everyone into one um entity one unit mm-hmm. that's just so um adrenaline fueled i don't know <laughs> yeah well you you had said before like stripping away the um individualism individualism yeah, yeah. that we all can <clears throat> we all just um forget about what makes us all different and that we're all united as a unit. You know, mm-hmm. there's something very attractive about that. You know? <laughs> and and it's interesting. Cause like the, the first half is also doing this other thing. It's like the flip side of that. Um, right. It's, it's stripping away these guys humanity and it's taking, it's like literally you stop hearing their actual names 
um, until like the end of that first scene, which is, I think is awesome. But you just like literally hear these names like Joker and uh, mm. Gomer Pyle, like Pyle and all this stuff. Cowboy. And that's what this process is. It's stripping away, uh, you know, these guys humanity so that you can essentially turn them into killing machines. Right. So that's what was really, that, that reminds me of what was really interesting about that whole um, part was that like you, like like you said, we would be laughing insanely on his uh, comments, mm-hmm. and then Kubrick will bring in a very like serious um, scene yeah. right after that. And mm-hmm. this is this is the pattern throughout the whole <clears throat> film. Mm-hmm. Is you like there are some there's so many legitimately hilarious scenes mm-hmm. in this film, and they're always followed up with gut-wrenching scenes yeah because it's like i've noticed when i was watching through the film is like i'll be laughing and then like oh man this yeah and i yeah (laughs) i i love when movies do that like Uh my favorite movies ever are movies that you think are laughing with you Mm. and then say what the fuck are you laughing about like like and and that's what uh so many great like uh like uh, not to get into other directors but like coen brothers do that a lot too um, where you're sitting there like laughing at something like, ah, this is funny. And then it's like, nope, it's not funny. It's really like you terrible. were, yeah, it's like, it's like when you like shift the context, like you see how it actually is, you know? Uh-huh. <clears throat> yeah. It brings out a lot of, a lot of thoughts, you know, cause you're very conflicted throughout the whole film. It's like on one way I felt like, yeah, fuck yeah. I want to join the Marines. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely. And then you'll get to these other scenes like, you know, we'll stick to the first part since we're there. Like, mm-hmm. pretty much the whole the whole arc is that there's the uh, private was it private pile, right? Whatever yeah. his name is. I, th- I thought you were gonna say Porkins. <laughs> Porkins. <laughs> Why not? But uh, you know, he's a fat guy, and he's mm-hmm. he's been failing. It sucks, and he gets insulted hilariously, and then then he gets a then you're kind of you're kind of confused because you're laughing at the drill instructor's ins- insults because mm-hmm. they're really funny but then you look at his, the the guy receiving it mm-hmm. private pile yeah and you just well, feel Lawrence. bad what it, yeah never mind i'm you sorry you feel you feel bad at the same time mm-hmm. and it's just like this that's what i love about kubrick is he's always bringing up that duality of of life just like mm-hmm you're just kind of confused because it's just so many different variables happening yeah. at once because he'll he'll cut between the two and so you're just like it's just all over the place and you just feel like i don't i don't know how reality is mm-hmm. you know yeah for sure like um <clears throat> i wanted to talk about the scene too when um arlie Ermy, what's his what's his character's name again no, just call him drill instructor. Yeah, drill instructor <laughs> um, is talking to the troops, um, and they're kind of all sitting in like bleachers, and he's talking about like other famous killers, other you know good shooters that were in the Marines, basically. And I thought that was a fascinating scene because um, it it shows how different his approach is to making um, a war movie because you see other directors who glamorize war through the filmmaking itself and you're seeing this like like even even ridley scott with black hawk down there's so many scenes in even that movie steven spielberg i mean yeah I'll, yeah for sure um 
who through the filmmaking itself are well, I don't think he glamorizes it. Oh come on! It's not. It's, it's much never more glam. Like in Saving Private Ryan, it's definitely glam. But but the point of it is never the these p- are good human beings. You know. Yeah, I don't think the point is ever fuck yeah, badass though. Like that's what I'm talking about because <laughs> what I'm getting to is that Kubrick shows people who are glamorizing war. And then what I mean by that is the drill instructor is talking about how they're killing machines. And, and, it, and he kind of like removes himself from that equation a little bit more because, um, you know, the drill instructor is talking about well, how well, all these great shooters were Marines. Well, Kubrick doesn't. What I love about Kubrick is that he doesn't have a he's, he doesn't have he doesn't preach. He's mm-hmm. just showing you what it is. Like he doesn't. He doesn't. Like Kubrick doesn't care. He doesn't care to promote promote war. Neither to say anti-war. He doesn't. He's not about that. Mm-hmm. He's just. He's just wants to show through film how it is, how things are. Yeah. It's not. It's I, not I felt. An intent. I felt like there was a statement being made. There was an intent on the scene when he was talking about. All of these killers, uh, the guy who did the shooting at the University of Texas, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, they were all Marines. You're all Marines. There was a statement being but made there. You have to agree. But that's more about this psycho- trying to get them into the psychology of, of killing. Mm. It's like, look at all these great killers. Yeah. And you can, you can be one of those killers. It's like, that's the whole. That's what I thought was the whole point of the... The first part was just mm-hmm. how to make these because they have to be they have to be killers. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna train for war where you have a gun and you have to take a life of somebody, it's like how else do you do that? Yeah, you well, know? that that's a perfect segue too into kind of comparing it a little bit with Saving Private Ryan because the thought that I had was um, Kubrick is fascinated with stripping away the humanity in in wars, and then I think uh, Spielberg is interested in finding the humanity. And then that kind of goes to each of their, like what they're kind of most interested in, in like making movies. It's like kind of what we've gone back to time and time again with like the cynic and then like the, the one who's hopeful and not one is not, and this kind of uh, shits all over the idea of the podcast. I don't think one, one concept is better than the other. It's just two different sides of the same coin. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Fine. <laughs> but if you want to fight about it, well, let's I mean, fucking do it. I mean, it. it's just, I mean, it's the same thing, isn't it? I mean, if yeah. like uh, one just starts one way and the other one starts the other way, fine, whatever, mm-hmm. who cares? Yeah, it's Kubrick's better anyway. <laughs> At the end of the day. At the end of the fucking day. <laughs> but anyways, um, so the first part, you know, that was um, what what would you describe the first part as being like in terms of? Man, I genre. don't know. Almost um, a drama. Almost like uh, documentary. Like it's so interesting. Great documentary. That the the like, yeah. like the the first forty five. I think it's like yeah, first half, whatever. Mm. Just inserts you into this setting, and you're just like a fly on the wall in this environment. Well, that's just the same. Is you could say the docu a documentary could be the, the second half. Yeah. It'd be the same thing. Well, yeah, and then there are even parts that, yeah. The whole movie is like a duck. And like I said, it goes back to what I said about how Kubrick just, he is an observer of humanity mm-hmm. and not someone who um, judges humanity, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think, um, I mean, just to maybe even transition to the second part of the movie, um, 
he kind of st- uh, another kind of trend with him is the like you said the the two halves like the two kind of different movies and what i've also kind of picked up on is that the first halves like the first halves of uh, a movie are much more black first and halves. white halves yeah the first halves <laughs> are uh the first halves um Howl there you go. that's funny because 2001 yeah because he, he made the movie um it's it, the first half is always more black and white than the second. Like he sets up the situation um, that's kind of easier to understand and kind of Processing. grasp what's happening, and then the second half it gets a lot more it gets a lot more murky. Dude, that's such a great that's a great observation, Brent. Honestly, <laughs> hey, like, I don't mean that in a sarcastic way. That's really cool because I, I that thought never really <laughs> occurred because yeah. you can see that. Barry Lyndon, two thousand one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Barry Lyndon, um, a Clockwork Orange. Oh my God, that's great. That's an amazing. That's an amazing. Option. Yeah, because it's like he, like Kubrick. He, it's like he'll set up a trap. You know, like everything, everything just seems normal, and you can understand. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know where this is going, and then yeah. he'll he'll pull the the snare. And then mm-hmm. you're like, wait a second. Yeah. I don't know. It, it I don't know what themes you're talking about. I'm very confused. Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know? that's why the best, the best movies are like, are fucking their magic tricks. Like if you can pull off a good movie and it like really hits you in the end, like it's a, it's a fucking magic trick. Like that's one of the best comparisons I think. Yeah. So the, the second part, well, I mean, before the second part, uh, Fatty McFatterson, um, yeah, ends up shooting the drill instructor because, I guess like it, the emotional and physical abuse got to him mm-hmm. to where he was disturbed in the head. Yeah, and it's such a like uh, Vincent D'Onofrio plays uh, Pyle or whatever I forget his real name. Because they Lawrence is Lawrence. Lawrence, is I think. Name, yeah. yeah, you're Lawrence of Arabia or whatever he says. Arab it's, Larry. Yeah, Arab Larry. Um, <laughs> but. God, like he plays it so interesting because it's like he really comes across as yeah. Adam's making the face like he makes the creepiest fucking faces like you've ever yeah, seen. No, he's like, and <laughs> well, and then I don't know about you. Did you get the idea of? And I guess he uh, the drill instructor like hints on it at first. Like he's definitely like uh, mentally. Oh, he says like handicap, he's, he's, right? He's like section eight or something like he's definitely a section eight and then they bring like that back that. in the end the second half too yeah. with the guy in section eight but and then they just start talking about sex after like yeah like hey can i fuck your sister yeah because <laughs> which is an odd like recurring theme throughout the movie with him and uh cowboy well because it's just like it's that interesting like equation to violence and sex like that that weird mesh mm-hmm. like when you're yeah. hopped up on like Wanting to kill your also like down to fucking bang this primal instincts. It's all this like masculine, yeah, yeah, instinct. But yeah, so he he gets shot by um, the drill instructor. Gets shot by um, good old pile, and then he offs himself, and it's all very sad. Hopefully, hopefully you've seen the movie. Yeah, yeah. Why would you be listening to this otherwise? Yeah, I don't see why you're listening to this. If entertaining personalities. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I. I know I have a very sexy voice. I do. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, listen to my erotica podcast that I do. <laughs> um, the Eroticast. Eroticast. It's right off the dome. You know, I, I, I read erotic novels mm-hmm. verbatim for that 
And you can and you can subscribe for ninety nine cents <laughs> a, uh, a day. So that's his day job. If yeah. you didn't know. Um, well, you got to pay the bills, all right? So, yeah, you do. And I got a gift. <laughs> but anyways, um, so the second <laughs> the second half, second half, half, yeah, uh, goes to uh, goes straight into Vietnam, mm-hmm. just straight there, and uh, they're always and our beloved Joker, the protagonist. Mm-hmm. He decides to take up a, a job to be a journalist for Stars and Stripes. Stars and Stripes. Photo, I think it was yeah. photojournalist, was Yeah. Yeah. Or just yeah. journalist. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so interesting to have him be a photojournalist because you could see that, like, Kubrick was trying to channel himself into Joe. I got that vibe, too. Yeah, you know? for sure. Because, like, I, I, I pictured, like, what... Like, Kubrick was trying to see himself... Well, if I was in the shit as they uh keep mm-hmm. describing it how, what would i do well, of course kubrick he would be the photojournalist capturing yeah. what was happening yeah it's super interesting like and i and, and joker is uh to me well other than the drill instructor like really the best character in the movie because he has like this snarkiness and this yeah, like self-awareness mm. um but he's still, but he's still like captive to his training, and like he's still, you know, at the end of the day, like a, a killing machine, mm-hmm. you know. So it's it's just re- well, and then that kind of illustrates like the duality that he faces, you know, throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it's the idea that we are not just what our face value is, you know, mm-hmm. we're not what we completely externalize. Like I love that he has a helmet. I mean, this is one of the, you know, on the nose shit. It's the best, like, visual, yeah, right. of that. Like, where it says, born to kill. And then he has a, you know, the, the peace sign on his, uh, as a lapel, mm-hmm. you know. It's, I mean, that's that's Kubrick for you, you know. He, he wants to show you exactly what his themes are in mm-hmm. one sense. And then he also wants to subvert it the same time like and do it in subtle ways as well like he'll be on the nose yeah and do it in subtle ways. well and then it, yeah and then even like um tying that to spielberg a little bit uh is like that 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 scene i think um like he had to have seen that scene and been influenced in some way by it because it's can that's you, such a what scene you're talking about well the one that you were just talking about the with the peace symbol and then the uh born to kill on his okay, helmet yeah. like i think that that visual storytelling that you see so clearly is something that he had to have been like oh man that's really great i, I, I need to i need <laughs> meanwhile at uh spielberg residence he's watching uh, he's watching a full metal jacket yeah Oh man, that's really great. Oh, that's good. Like, oh, that's, that's good. That's yeah. all it is. <laughs> it's like a four second like clip. Oh man, <laughs> it's a vine. It's a vine is what that would be. Now that's pod racing. <laughs> now um, that's pod racing. Thanks, George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anything we can both agree on, mm. it's George Lucas sucking a big fat one. Hey, but Red Tails is pretty good. Red Tails is pretty good. Hey, they're blocking. They're off. They're fighter pilots, right? <laughs> It's not bad because they're black. I just want to say that for the record. No, no, he said <laughs> this is how George Lucas marks markets it. Well, if you don't like it, then you're clearly a racist. Oh god. Meanwhile, he's sitting on a literal throne of cash. It's yeah, like, okay, fuck you fucking man. asshole. Anyway, this is the uh, We Hate George Lucas podcast. Hey, uh, thanks I'm, for t- I'm down to create Let's that. do it. Let's do okay, it. Okay, you heard it here first, everybody. <laughs> We're gonna create. We're gonna create a podcast. Sticker Fridge presents. 
<laughs> Fuck George Lucas. And we go through each, even the good ones we will insult to no end. Like, not even give it any, yeah. any merit whatsoever. The only good one is Star Wars. Did he That's the only one it? he directed. Yeah, he, did, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't do it. Empire, which is the best one. Yeah. Hack. What a hack. He's a anyway. Call it garbage. Hey, how are we on the, um, we, we have, like, categories we're supposed to be yeah, working yeah. through. I don't, I don't. Well, um, I guess, I guess to just finish up signature moves, um, I mean, we don't have to get into it too deeply, but just mm-hmm. things I noticed. Um, the zoom, the, the typical zoom ins didn't come. Um, not a lot of them, yeah. Not a lot, but when they when they did happen, they were effective. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. zoom outs, so they were there. Yeah. Um, like the what was the what was the first zoom in on? Oh, God, what was oh to his face. It was to Pyle's face when you like. It's a reaction to. He, he's kind of starting to lose it. And then that's when he does the Great. slow zoom. And I think he, he did that in The Shining, too. So that's something that he likes to do. That's a signature move for oh, sure. Yeah, because he, he, he does those very long zooms that just take forever. Especially, like, yeah. zoom out at Vietnam, you know, where... That was my favorite. Where I was on Joker and, and then just slowly came out and then revealed, like, 20 dead bodies on the ground, you know? Yeah. Well, um, my favorite um, kind of... <laughs> Zoom, uh, two zoom shots. They're like right next to each other. Um, it zooms in from the Vietnamese sniper's point of view oh, yeah, to uh, uh, what's his name? Eight ball. Two eight ball. And then when eight ball gets shot, it zooms out from him to the Americans. And I thought that was like a fascinating was it eight way. Ball or was a cowboy they were talking about? Because does. They do it with cowboy. I know that. Oh, I might be getting them mixed up. But either way, cowboy that that the, set piece, if you want to call it. Had it was the one where um, he was on the radio because that was cowboy. And it oh, went you're the right. Building, you know, like the hole in the building. I might be mixing it up with that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, cowboy gets shot. Poor old cowboys from Texas. R.I.P. Yeah. Um. But as far as signature, do you have anything on signature moves? No, I mean, I think we really hit the big ones with. Uh, I mean, the two movies in one and. Um, Zooms. I mean, Zooms. fuck, what else, man? Long I mean, I, I noticed this wasn't really kind of to do like an anti-signature moves thing. Uh, he had a lot of steady cam in this. See, that's I was I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, Thank you for reminding me because it was like, a lot first, of steady cam. The first movie, like I didn't feel like it was typical Kubrick because it was a lot of cuts. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't. As many um, long shots. As that too, but to. even even one of the first ones when he's walking around to the guys in the uh, the in their quarters or whatever, yeah, and just yeah. insulting them. There were there were a couple of pretty pretty long shots in that, hmm. and that's that was more standard Kubrick than the second half. I but thought. it's not exactly the you know the typical like painting, you know the yeah. painting um, shots that he usually has when you focus on a center. And everything seems kind of stagnant, but there's a lot mm. of action going on, and I think that's the difference yeah. with um, with this movie. He has a lot more action happening. I don't mean uh, that in a, yeah. you know traditional action violence, sense, just but more literally things, things happening. happening. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's definitely more uh, nuanced this movie because you you watch a movie like 2001, and it's all you're you're always conscious that there's a camera, yeah. and then in this movie it's a lot more and uh, you know a lot more kind of where it needs to be to get the story across. Right, right. Which, I mean, 
uh, I mean, Spielberg was definitely an influence on that. Can we just, um, before we move on to the next one, can we just talk about the ending real quick? Because I know yeah. we both looked at each other and said, this is... Yeah. I thought that was I thought that was this the best is scene. The best scene in the sure. movie. I want to I want to hear your takeaway from it because I feel like it might be different than mine. I feel like you might have been on a different wavelength. Really? With it? Yeah. Well, the the way that I perceive it is that the whole setup is that um, you have the squad and they're going uh, they're trying to re- regroup and Ape Ball gets shot. He gets hit by a sniper and you see the barrage of. Of bullets in this dilapidated building uh, city s- sector you know mm-hmm. it's a lot and so obviously they're scared and they want to take down this person and, you know they, they keep going and they find out it's a sniper and it's you know this whole sequence whole action sequence trying to avoid dawn tonight you know hellfire everywhere mm-hmm. and they, pro- they keep progressing and they find um the sniper joker finds a sniper and he tries to shoot but it jams his rifle jams mm-hmm. and then cat uh, not cowboy um the other photographer guy who always wanted to get into the shit he always talked about yeah. wanting to get in the shit and get some he shoots up the and he's the one who puked he's the one who puked at the guy um, oh, on the helicopter, yeah. shot a whole bunch you know of what? civilians. I don't want to like derail anything, but like his his arc is really interesting because he kind of loses it. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely does because mm-hmm. he was puking at the guy at the on the machine gun on the helicopter who was killing civilians, mm-hmm. and he ends up killing, well, no, shooting like um, neutralizing this sniper who is a twelve. Pretty much a twelve-year-old uh, Vietnamese yeah. girl. Yeah. Um. And it's such a, it's such a powerful scene. Mm-hmm. And the way that I that I take it is that it's kind of like, if there's anything that's more about Vietnam, it's that scene because it's like this overwhelming amount of force, this crazy amount of American forces coming in. And to say that to say that Americans didn't win the war is is kind of skewed because if you look at the casualties in Vietnam, like there was way more Vietnamese deaths than there were Americans. Mm-hmm. So imagine so it, this was a microcosm for the Vietnam War. It was like this intense amount of force because yeah. like in the in the shots there was just so many bullets just like hitting the building. Just yeah barrages so many and it's just this one vietnamese (laughs) that's a really yeah so they get there and it's like she knew she was going to die she absolutely knew but her whole intent she was just to impede their progress that's it Mm -hmm. and that's the vietnam war that's all they wanted to do like if you took any course in the vietnam war like history wise Mm mm-hmm the Vietnamese, the Viet Cong, they had no intent to kill all the Americans. They to they, win. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't care. All they wanted was to just keep going indefinitely, just to tire the Americans out. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's one of the um, 
things I took away from that scene was it was a direct like microcosm of the Vietnam War. Yeah. No, that's definitely a good takeaway. That's super interesting. Um, the 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 way I took it is that final scene was them literally staring into the face of their consequences. Um, because it's it's easy to kill when you're far away. Um, but when the effects are up close, it's not as it's not as black and white. It's not as easy because you know you see um, what's uh, what's going to call him Wolf Mother, um, Animal Mother, Animal Mother. You see him just running and gunning, blasting bullets into buildings, just wanting to take him out. And Rambo at the end, style. Rambo style. Um, and at the end, when they're faced with their actual enemy, when they're up close, all mm. of them are silent. They're not. They're not killing machines. They aren't monsters. They're human beings. They and then, their child exactly yeah. when they're when they're looking at the actual effects of what they're doing, then it's real. Like th- at that moment, it's real for them. Mm. And so, and you know, Joker ends up you know killing her. But that's what was so. I, I love like m- more to that was that to give mercy. To actually give her peace, mm-hmm. peace. Let me let me emphasize that to give her peace. Yeah, he has to shoot her, and I just thought, oh my god, oh my fucking god, this That's, is the most yeah. one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my fucking life because <laughs> it's just like it, it just goes back like goes back to the whole concept of the movie, the duality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I didn't even yeah, I didn't even honestly. That didn't even really, yeah. But when you're, I mean, we're telling me now, absolutely. It's it's like I have to give her peace through violence, yeah. You know, and that's, I mean, that's essentially who Joker was. Was that, you know, he had the peace sign and mm-hmm. he had he was walking the kill. line in the middle, yeah. And then you see like it's so, oh my god, it's so good. Like you see him about to take the shot with his pistol to to kill her. And you see, like, just the dark side, you know, like, <laughs> lighting is great. You see his yeah. dark side and you see the light side, just, like, fused as he's looking. And what's beautiful, too, is that he, he doesn't show the shot. He doesn't show the the, the goriness of, mm-hmm. like, he shows everything else. Like, he showed the sniper yeah. shooting and all the other consequences of violence. But that particular one does not show mm-hmm. that Vietnamese uh, child getting yeah i mean he he knows when to withhold like when it's not necessary uh because i mean you get the idea like everything's Mm -hmm. there you've got the idea and that's that's it yeah i mean it's it's an amazing scene like that scene is incredible like i've only seen this movie once before but um yeah the first time i saw it i i didn't get it like it just it didn't hit with me i was like probably 16 or 17 yeah just too young to really be able to grasp uh, everything that this movie had on its mind. But um, yeah, I mean, it was awesome. It was great. Yeah. I mean, such a, such a powerful scene, but mm-hmm. on that note, <laughs> what's up? What's, what's coming up next? Part, my favorite, favorite, favorite part. What would Spielberg do? <laughs> what would he do? Um, Let's hear. It. Let's hear. It. Let's hear it from the number one Spielberg. Yeah, fan. yeah. Um, watch Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then, yeah, and then no, last honestly, week we said honestly, watch full. Honestly, honestly, that's not even. That's not even a bad suggestion. 
No, I know, yeah. I know. That was a joke, though. Um, I mean, let me, let me, let me think here. So, it would have been murky, also, just like this movie was. I think it would have been in the vein of like Munich or something, where it's not afraid to. Um, sh- well, God damn it! Oh, this is tough, man. This is difficult. Um, well. Spiel, okay, I can tell you one thing for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, John Williams would have ate that shit up. And, <sighs> oh, oh, boy. boy. <laughs> we would have gotten a goddamn all-timer from this one. Oh, uh, my God. John Williams would have been all about this shit. <laughs> I would. I can tell you for a fact, like, John Williams would have seen this movie and just like, oh, man. Oh, dude, I'm so down. You know, you know what John Williams does? This is what he does. He gets in his, uh, his lazy boy recliner. He pulls his pants down. He puts on full metal jacket and he mutes it. And he just sings the whole time. (laughs) And you know what? It's a better version. That movie. Shut the fuck up. You're saying that you're saying that Kubrick's daughter is not good. At all. No, the music she contributed is really good. It's, it's legitimately it's good. legitimately not good. Um, okay, so I mean, let's kind of take this um, from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, from the top. So that scene in the um, in training or whatever, uh, it would have he would have uh, kind of developed these these characters like these uh, you know uh, Joker and uh pile and probably even uh cowboy like he would have chosen those three. He, would, he would have chosen most of them i'd say for sure yeah, yeah. but I, th- I think in the movie um i mean to kubrick's credit already does i think develop them like pretty well yeah. but he would have like really kind of like uh, their interpersonal relationships he would have like had yeah he would have had them more. yeah connect a little bit more and like it's tough dude because like that's already in the movie like joker yeah. really helps out pile like he's really like actually like a good yeah he's actually a good person and he actually tries to make pile Mm -hmm. a better soldier and like he he takes it easy on pot like joker that's what's so great is that it's a duality of joker as well it's like you see him always like cracking a joke and like being nihilist as fuck Mm -hmm. and then you see him like legitimately help pile like yeah like it's not like especially with the scene with the uh I know we're derailing a little bit, but it's all good. Yeah, the scene where the whole squad, the whole unit, gets fed up with pile, and they, you know, get the soap bars and they. Oh pile yeah, them. that scene's great. Yeah, and Joker was the last one doing, and he was hesitant. I didn't even mm-hmm. catch that the first time I saw this movie. I thought he just like fucking nailed yeah. it. Yeah, but this time, like, you could see him just like, I don't really want to do this, like, mm-hmm. and he um, he does it, and pile. Out of all the other hits from all, like, literally um, dozens of other men hit him, mm-hmm. when Joker does it, yeah, it that one hurts the most. Yeah. And it's so sad. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's on another, it's, it brings it beyond the realm of physical pain. It's See, like, this is, guy, I feel like, me. I feel like Spielberg wouldn't have done any of that stuff. He would, no. he would have, he would have had them all like a cohesive unit. You know, the, the drill instructor would be insulting, but it's more like, playful you know what i mean like he would have he would have been a little bit lighter i don't know man because they're different yeah i could see that version but i think they're different spielberg throughout his career i know i know but throughout his career like he's not he he won't back away from like the the dirtier kind of 
like, less where? black and white stuff. But I, I mean, mean, in terms of in terms of this sequence, he would have done it that way. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, yeah. I'm not saying he's. I'm not saying that Spielberg is um, afraid of doing grayness. I'm saying he would have played it to where the drill instructor was an asshole, but everyone loved him. The guy, uh, Pyle wouldn't have a mental breakdown, I'd say. Um, yeah, it'd I was be like buddies getting along, but they're working hard, <laughs> you know. I I was thinking about the pile ending, and how yeah, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been so grim. Most likely, it would have been the drill instructor would have gotten his comeuppance like, through. Yeah, that maybe that too. Like like he like literally okay because. At at the end, like before he gets killed, like the drill instructor does, yeah, yeah, he does recognize him as coming this distance, and I think that could have been its own little arc. No, of... Spielberg would have them kiss at the. Yeah, yeah, they would have made out. Uh, <laughs> but I could see kind of either version, like either yeah. the drill instructor, his approval is is alone, like the triumph, or he somehow gets like a comeuppance, like on the drill instructor mm-hmm. and like makes him look like a child or something. You absolutely, know what I mean? Something like yeah. that. Um, yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm proud of you. Yeah. That's what he would have said. Actually <laughs> in the, when I was reading about the novel, he actually says, I am proud of you right before, mm. right. As he gets shot. I think it's right. As he gets shot. That's what, that's what was interesting. Wow. Was like, what? Because he six, because I think Kubrick should have put it in. That'd have been interesting. But yeah. the whole point was that like he made him into a killer. He accomplished his goal. Yeah. You know, like it's, that's oh my it. God. I didn't even think about, yeah. about it like that. Kubrick, that's I kind guess, of amazing. I guess Kubrick thought it would probably have been a little bit too tongue in cheek. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Cause it was pretty dramatic how, how he did that part. Mm-hmm. But, uh, in the Vietnam part, Spielberg. So I'll know, say, I'll say this. I have, I mean, I have some, um, wait, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'll some, uh, what do you call it? Um, reservation, some, some gripes. Some gripes with the what second half. Mean? I think I think Fuck the up. the Vietnam stuff. It's a little unfocused. It's a little um, the intent isn't always there. I think I think, uh, and I'm not saying like Spielberg's would have been focused. Would have been great. I don't know why I'm bringing up the gripe like randomly in yeah, the segment. You asshole. But <laughs> um, I just I guess I wanted to make that that known that. Well, there's, well what's your stupid gripe then? The gripe uh, being when like they're first there. And there's the stuff with like the the hooker, and then they're kind of walking through the the camp, and then there's the attack on the camp, and I was just like, "What's the point of this?" That's war, baby. War is chaos, man. Like that's I thought that's why I thought it was so good. It was just like this, just events happening. Like if you if you're there, it's not like there's gonna be a logical sequence of events. You're gonna have like you're gonna be attacked. You're gonna be horny, and you're gonna want to yeah. get. I didn't think of that as unfocused. It was okay. maybe you can perceive it as unfocused because that is the nature of war. Okay. You know. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, I mean the the genre and the setting kind of dictate that. So okay. sorry, Brent. I have to do my duty to protect Kubrick's. Uh, I know, man. Honor as you should. <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs> I disagree with you still. Good. <laughs> um. No, Spielberg would have. I think Spielberg would have um, laid off the the hooker stuff. Maybe you think he would have? Uh, I don't know. Mm. He didn't really 
really do anything sexual in um, Saving Private Ryan. Like, that was the interesting thing about Saving Private Ryan is that there wasn't much, like, like, how do I say this? Men talk? Locker room talk? Yeah. <laughs> Locker room no, talk. that's, oh my God, yeah. that's a really interesting point. Like, the, the different um, depictions of masculinity in these movies... Um, and I'll, I'll say this, I'll say this for full metal jacket. Um, it's more realistic. Absolutely. It definitely is. But I kind of, I like the, um, and this, this goes for Spielberg and like most of his movies is, is he's idealistic. So these guys are guys that are doing their job. They're, they're guys that are just getting it done. They're doing their job and it's not going to have a lot of like, yeah, that fucking that fucking bitch. She's only five bucks. Or what's that whole scene with like the hooker yeah. and well, five dollar. Uh, yeah, if I don't, love love you real good. Fuck you good. <laughs> Did all of those like racist uh like things come out of this movie? Like all of those like kind of sayings? Like she loved no, me a long time. That's well, I mean like yeah. Okay, because I didn't know if this but, was like the origin of them or maybe. Yeah, when 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 you're doing like a, you know, me love you long time. That's from Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, but um. Yeah, I think that Spielberg wouldn't, uh, he would have laid off that um, overtly sexual stuff, mm-hmm. which is weird because because it, it's duality and masculinity as well. You know, it's not like, it's not like they didn't try to do heroic stuff in the film. Like, these soldiers did care about their brothers. It's just that, I just feel like, I mean, I have mainly <laughs> male friends and I know mm. how it is that we rip into each other all the time. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know that you're we're well rip- aware of yeah. that. <laughs> and it's like it's just a fun thing that we do. I don't know. And mm-hmm. and to see it's just more realistic male relationships with Kubrick rather than just kind of like. Well, over. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know about that. I like. I guess on that level, but I think they're trying to do different things because, like. I, I also really like the relationships in, in Saving Private Ryan and just kind of how they get along with each other and, and talk to each other about like their their lives are at you home. Saying, are you saying that uh, I should be nicer to you? Is that is that what you're <laughs> you're hinting at? This what this whole podcast? Is that's about? that's literally been my intent since Where episode. Like, that's why I made the podcast. <laughs> you're just so mean, Adam. You're so mean. To me. <laughs> I just start crying. This is what it's all been about. <laughs> I don't even care about Spielberg. I don't even like movies. I just like movies because you watch I hate them. them. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. want to talk to you. I just want to talk to you for an hour. <laughs> oh god. On uh, that note, let's move on. Let's do. Let's quickly do um, historical context, really quick, just briefly. Okay. I mean, I don't. I. I don't know if I have a lot to contribute on this one. I mean, well, I thought it took. I thought it was made in eighty. To find yeah. out, it's made in eighty-seven. There's 87, some real yeah. uh, Reagan stuff. Yeah, for sure. See, I think you got to think about it in a different way, mm. in the sense that nineteen eighty-seven. No one's really thinking about Vietnam, right? Like, it's yeah. pretty much. I mean, I mean you well, think of, well, you yeah. think about communism, but not Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Everyone, every all the filmmakers, all the famous filmmakers, they already got out of the way. They got their Vietnam. They got their Vietnam movie out of the way. You yeah, know, you got Coppola, and you got um, I don't know who else. Who else? Made? Uh, Patton. Uh, that's you, you got Platoon, and then you have not you Patton. Know, Jesus, Platoon. Um, Oliver Stone. Who, Oliver Stone. Oh yeah, Oliver Stone. Who's mm. a hack? 
Um, <laughs> Overrated. Yeah, he's super terrible. I don't like him. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, you have Platoon, and then you have Deer Hunter, and they're all made before '87. Mm-hmm. And then Kubrick's like, now it's my turn. I let all you guys do your stupid Vietnam movies. <laughs> yeah. It's my turn to really show them up. And I think you really did. You really showed them up with this one. Uh, I like. I, I don't know. Really are we going to compare? Because if we're talking. Well, do you Vietnam, like Apocalypse Now more? Yes. I. I yes. No. <laughs> what I will say that it, it's that. I like I like Full Metal Jacket more because if it's like as if you were recruited into the Marines and then yeah. you experience it. And also Full Metal Jacket it does not show the typical um Vietnam like I said at the beginning, typical Vietnam uh, warfare. It like flips mm-hmm. everything on yeah. on its head. It's because, like, you're expecting, well, I want to see jungles. I want to see those gooks and Charlies in the trees, yeah. you know? Oh, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, it sounds obvious now that you're saying it, but it's it's really interesting how he actively avoided showing you the Vietnam scenes. Exactly. The like, only yeah. battles, the only real, real battle scene is urban warfare. Is urban mm-hmm. with one sniper. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't even, I can't recall anything else. Like there's no, there's no like, on the river, you know, going down the river, or like, being stuck in traps. Like all the, it's. It was like a like a post not postmodern but like a post Vietnam movie Vietnam movie. You no, know, that's a good way of putting it. Actually, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like he he saw what they did and he was like, I'm gonna do a different thing. I'm gonna talk about the nature of humanity in this one. Yeah, Duality and I don't man. see. I'm not. I'm not trying to knock like Apocalypse Now. Maybe Apocalypse Now is a better Vietnam movie if we're talking about Vietnam. But this is a better war movie. Me, war movie. Okay, I'll I'll agree to that for sure. Yeah. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah, because yeah, I think that's the only way I can put it. Because um, Apocalypse Now is very much ingrained and I love in Vietnam. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful movie. Um. What are we talking about? Historical context. Yeah. Well, so I mean, that's, that's historical I mean. context. Yeah. yeah, sure. That's what I mean is that, yeah, he's post, like you said, post, post um, mm-hmm. Vietnam movies. Yeah, I mean, just the, the fact that this movie was made in, like, the height of, like, American, Reagan, uh, fucking just, like, 80s is so interesting. Like, I, I don't know if I have much else to add to that, but just, like, well, I mean, the- America was, like, uh, just so like just thriving and yeah. things were great. Communism you know? was falling. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you 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 see this movie that sh- shows when communism was at its uh, at its peak. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like a like a reminder. Like he was like, "Don't forget, don't fucking forget yeah, about this forget time in our history." <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, there's not. I don't know. There wasn't much to say about um, about historical context. Um, before we wrap up, I just have one theme that I wanted to, I forgot that I wanted to bring up, mm-hmm. and that's the concept of, uh, of innocence, because remember how I pointed out in the film, like, you see Mickey Mouse everywhere, like, mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse is, like, a thing. Yeah. And 
at least in the war was in the war zone right or it was well, in their their camp which later got attacked yeah yeah like um even the drill sergeant's like i don't want to hear this mickey mouse shit what's going on and then yeah. later on like um joker's um camp his journalism thing base place or whatever mm-hmm. had a little a little figurine like mickey mouse figurine yeah and then you see um this land this landmine that was covered by a plush doll, like a bunny, like a, child, a children's a children's thing. Yeah. And then you see the sniper, a child. Yeah. And then the final scene is them singing, you know, the Mickey Mouse Club song. Like, is that the club song thing? Yeah, uh, yeah. Mickey Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah. Yeah, theme song or whatever. So it's like those, especially even the the mine part with the plush thing. Like he picks up a seemingly innocuous object, yeah, and then it explodes in his face, yeah, in his face. Um, And it's like a constant. It's masterful in the sense that it's like a constant reminder that these are these are children. Mm -hmm. Like even though they're hard boiled killers, they're still that size. They were made that way. They're yeah. They were still. They're still that. They're still kids. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, and like the. The duality again. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like the the juxtaposition of of the two ideas. It's so funny how it's constantly, other than the scene with like the little toy rabbit or stuffed rabbit or whatever, it's like always Mickey. It's like they took mm-hmm. like, um, that symbol of innocence, like at its most kind of pure, and then kind of corrupted it with this uh, with death. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's super interesting. Yeah, and um, I I, I wanted that like the. <laughs> This is just like a random note, but it ties into that ending where they're kind of all walking and they're just like these dark figures. You just, they could be anybody. They could be any soldiers from any time, just walking, singing the fucking Mickey song. And it's, it's like on its surface, the set, the conclusion of this movie is not satisfying. Like just on like kind of a general storytelling level, Mm. but it's purposeful because it's like Vietnam itself. It's like nothing has a good conclusion. Hmm. Um, well, at least Vietnam didn't have a good conclusion. And I feel like it, that was kind of maybe an intention was as well. It even a conclusion. Yeah, it really yeah. wasn't. They just kind of walk away yeah. boys again because they're here singing this innocent child, you know, song. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, I guess, uh, you just give her, give her final thoughts here. If you want to, um, stab at it. Yeah, I mean, this movie is, uh, I picked up on so many different things, especially even just, you know, talking just now on things that I missed um, this time watching it. Uh, Full Metal Jacket is fucking great. It's one of the best uh, war movies of all time. I'll say up there, you know, I mean, right along Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> I, I gotta, it's it's hard oh, not to compare God. them, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sure. week no, it's to fine. week, yeah, back yeah. to back. It's yeah. like, it's so interesting because it's each of their own take on this genre on, even though they're different wars and very different things were, you know, led to those wars and were behind those wars, um, different outcomes for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's masterful. I mean, it's so good. And, uh, Mm. yeah, I don't know. What about you? What I noticed, okay. Um, the difference because, like we said, like seeing them back to back, it's very great. Because I found this clear, and I understand now why I love Kubrick more than Spielberg. 
is because Kubrick makes you think while Spielberg makes you feel. Oh, man. That's, that's a really, really, really good way to put that. And I'm not saying that Spielberg is necessarily wrong in that mm. assertion. Like, it's great. Like, when I was watching Savior Prayer Ride, I was feeling so many feels. Yeah. You know? You know what? I, I, don't, wanna, I don't mean to interrupt, but um, I 100% agree with the way you just put that mm. because <laughs> it sums up why I like Spielberg more. That's what uh, I was going to say. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's he makes you feel as a and it's, god damn it. Well, now I sound like I don't want to think when I watch a movie. But <laughs> well then that the flip side is you don't want to feel when you watch a movie, exactly. right? So, yeah. so it's that's their dynamic uh really put in a great way and I I agree for sure. But yeah, it's yeah. because like when I when I when I watch movies, I mean when I mainly when I do most things, like when I read a book, I always look for ideas and I like to think about concepts. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just how that's my default thing. And Kubrick to me, like, is just very good at that, making you think about these deep concepts, like duality of man and, and um, war, just, you know, just everything, what we've been watching. And then when you watch the Spielberg film, you just feel so many emotions. You, like, you feel for these characters and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So I think it was really healthy for the podcast to, to see... Saving Private Ryan and uh, mm-hmm. Full Metal Jacket because the it, differences yeah. were 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 big, but not at the fault of either movie. Honestly, yeah, and, you're you're not sacrificing quality. It's right. like each movie's doing a different thing, and then each it's really interesting because each one kind of boiled down each director to their like base. Level, like what they're yeah. trying to do in all of their movies mm-hmm. is like you get like it's like a microcosm for kind of all of their movies you know also yeah I, I i if you couldn't already fucking tell i love this movie it's great and if you haven't seen this movie i don't know why fuck you'd be listening to this podcast but go see it um kubrick has done it again he hasn't failed me yet <laughs> and uh i've seen bits and pieces of eyes wide shut <laughs> um, which I didn't hate those bits and pieces, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, I think if uh, I think this is a really great war movie. If you want to see a movie in the war genre, and mm-hmm. I would actually suggest seeing same Private Ryan and Full Metal Jacket in the way that we did, like kind of in, yeah. within proximity. It's a good double feature. It's a yeah. really interesting double feature. I think to see the stark differences between the interpretations of war, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, um, again, we always end off with us like fucking jerking each other off, and Spielberg's fine, Spielberg's <laughs> fine. But yeah, uh, oh, um, yeah. What, do we what's have up? any? Do we have any news that we should? Well, the thing is, I mean, this isn't going to come out for like five weeks. When you li- literally, when you're listening to this, I'm going to be married now, and that will have just happened, I guess. Yeah, so that's cool. Hey, future Brent, you're going to be listening to this, and you're married. Hope it's cool. Hope you're doing good. It's not even good. that far away. It's like, I, I know. It's just, it's a time capsule. We're making a literal well, time like capsule. Well, it's like everything goes to shit. And you're I'm like going to be dead. This. I'm going to be dead in two weeks. And this is completely. No, uh, you're like, she actually like doesn't want to marry you. And... <laughs> uh, news wise though. Um, I mean, time slice, I think we'll. <laughs> we keep saying that. I know we keep saying week. that, but I think, I think it will probably be done by the time you're listening to this. Uh, look up Sticker Fridge on YouTube. Listen to Fam Films uh, Movie Club. Yeah, Some new ones will be up there. We just did um, 
was it fucking Charlotte's, Charlotte's Web. Web. And it was... Oh, I mean, compared to uh, Saving Private Ryan and Full Metal Jacket, I mean, it's <laughs> it's up there. I mean, hey, it's up if there, If you want guys. to see a good war film, check out Charlotte's Web. <laughs> like, the way that it captures mm-hmm. how wartime is, is How it tears families apart really is ugh, staggering. It's a staggering achievement. You really get stuck yeah. in its web. In its web. When you watch it. Yep. Well, anyways, um, I think that's all we got, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's going to so, do it. Wait, so next week, what are we going to... Oh, shit. Are you mean? like putting me on the spot? Do I have to decide right now? Well, if you... I mean, you can always reverse it next time. You don't have to commit We're going to gonna watch... Insert title of movie we watch next here. Leave silence so I can edit it. Oh, wait. Way to, way to go to steal And it's going to be Red awesome. Letter, Red Letter Media. <laughs> oh, did I? Oh, my bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, just... Well, it's going to be a Spielberg. Spielberg. Yeah, we're getting down to the wire here, guys. I think we have Spielberg, Kubrick, and then... Have we said it on the podcast before? What we're ending with? AI. Oh, yeah. AI. AI. To wrap it up, because it's kind of a joint thing between them, but... So yeah, only a few episodes of this season left, and uh, check out... stick around. uh, If you got this far... Yeah. (laughs) Might as well finish, right? That's what she said. Well, I don't know uh, if they. What's the context for that? I don't know. That's what she. Uh, but if you somehow stuck through Munich, the Munich podcast, you guys, not our best. This one has best. been good. I think this I one's think this been pretty one's good. Really good. Yeah. I think all of them have been pretty good. Close Encounters, I thought was great, but boy, I apologize for the quality, guys. You will. Well, uh, well, they don't even. They've already listened to that one. You've already <laughs> listened to it. You got two minutes in and you stopped, and I don't blame you because it's rough. Oh, but uh, if you can put up with that. Um, Thanks for getting this far, guys. You guys are yeah. awesome. All right. Well, till next time, this is Adam for Director Showdown. This is Brent for the same thing. <laughs> See you later. See it. Never to come back